Good morning. Good morning. Thought I was by myself for a minute. Well, I appreciate old Trent getting us uh, going on last week's lesson on life on mission, about connecting with people and the importance of that. And so uh, we're continuing this series, and this week it's going to talk about serving folks. You know, connecting is one thing to meet folks, but somehow or another we have to uh, turn that into us serving people, and serving builds credibility and and also creates opportunity to share the gospel. And so there's a lot of good things that take place when we're doing our life on mission. Uh, people are not projects. They're not prospects. They're not clients. They're people just created in the image of God, right? So we're not serving folks from a selfish viewpoint like I'm trying to sell them something or get something over to them. We're serving them to give them something, the greatest news in the world how they can get out of their sins and live forever. That's pretty good news, you know. And so when we're serving and helping and connect folks with the gospel, that's really what it's all about. Mark chapter 10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. God wants to answer a need through you. He's chosen us. He's chosen the, the church to be people who meet the needs of other people. And that's what he wants to do with you this week and this day, to use us to serve folks to meet people's needs. Let's face it, when we're uh, raising up our kids, we're, we're raising them up to have ambition and to have goals and to accomplish great things and all that's understood and good and all, but sometimes we don't, we don't really raise them up to say, you nearly just need to go be a servant. Many times we don't have that in mind. By worldly standards, the goal of servanthood is foreign. It's what, it's a, 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 people see service as, it's not natural, it's not comfortable, it's not desirable, and it doesn't really put you up where folks can see you, right? And yet, the gospel calls us to be servants. And when we are servants, we are like Jesus who came to serve and not be served. This notion of being a servant is a counterculture. It's going to go against what we're taught around, especially in America, about taking care of ourselves to serve other people. And we're not talking about climbing the ladder. We're talking about holding the ladder up, okay? That's the difference. We're serving. What will it take for us to be good servants? It takes compassion in action. That's what it takes. Remember the story in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 40 through 41? And Jesus sees this guy in need, and his, his heart is moved here. The Bible says, A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with, say that word, compassion. Do it again. Filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cured. That, that having that open heart to where we are moved by the needs of other people. You know, sometimes that's a difficult thing. Some things are hard to open. Some things open very easily, right? I had an old orange truck one time, and I gave a guy a ride from the airport to here. He was speaking at our Yes Seminar, and 
So we turned the curve down here on Arkansas Road to get on to North 7, and the door just come open. It, it, it opened real easy, you know. I mean, if you bumped it, it opened. He's like, whoa, what's this? Well, that got to watch that door. I forgot to tell you, it opens real easy, you know. Well, sometimes opening easy can be a good thing. Sometimes it can be a bad thing, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, but uh, sometimes there are things that are hard to open. Sometimes some of us have a difficulty opening our hearts or being moved by the needs of other people. Other people seem like this by nature. They're just good-hearted folks that open up and are moved by folks' needs very, very easily. I don't want us to be so open-hearted our brains fall out. By that, we lose all logic. So sometimes we help when helping really isn't helping, those type of things. And we want to be wise in how we help and serve people. But, what, but one of the very first things we have to do is be, allow ourselves to be moved. I found out as I get older that actually has become easier for me. I don't know why. I used to not be very emotional, but now I can watch a uh, commercial on TV, and all they got to do is throw about two kids and a pet in there, and it can be a bank or anything else. I'm, I'm, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm almost crying here, you know? Are you like that? Am I the only one like that? Well, I want to have that kind of heart that's moved by the needs of other people. And, and, but there's something else. It's more than just being moved because all of you have done the same thing I've done. You've seen something that moved your heart and you walked away and as soon as you got some distance between you and that, then you quit thinking about it, right? No action took place. Well, Mother Teresa said loneliness is the leprosy of our day. This compassion to reach out and touch people who are struggling with things, that's what we really want to be like Jesus. Now, think about this leper. How long had it been since, a, since this guy had been physically touched or hugged by anybody? He's, he's hollering in the streets, unclean, unclean. He can't even go into his church and worship, and everybody's avoiding him. And yet Jesus is willing to touch the untouchables of the society, and we've got to be willing to do that too. We have to be willing to touch people nobody else wants to have anything to do with. We've got to be willing to see their need, be moved by it, and extend a hand. You know, extending a hand sometimes will cost us something. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? This expert in the law over in the book of Luke chapter 10, ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. This guy knows the answer. He's got the 10 down. He understands what's the greatest. And by the way, he thought he was already doing that. He said, I got that down. Because then he turns around and says, yeah, but who's my neighbor? Like the first part of that, like loving God, I got that down. No problem. Who's my neighbor? By the way there, that word love in the command is a present word of ongoing action. It's love and keep on loving uninterrupted. I don't think he really had it down as much as he thought he had it down. So then uh, Jesus tells him this story. So there was a guy going from Jerusalem to Jericho and he falls into the hand of the robbers. They strip him of his clothes, they beat him, and, and they leave him half dead. And a priest 
happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. We'll talk about that in a moment. So too, the Levi, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He had compassion. He was moved by the guy's needs. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he put the man on his donkey and took him to the inn and took care of him. The next day he took out the two silver coins and, and gave him to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, Jesus said, that guy there, the Samaritan. Now think about this. You with me? Jesus said to this Jewish expert, that guy that you don't think is right with God and is a different race and a different religion, you need to go be like him. Now think about that. That's the challenge to this guy. Now this good Samaritan, it cost him some things. If we're going to be moved by the needs of people and serve, and we're going to extend our hand, it is going to cost us some things. It's going to cost us our time. It's going to cost us our effort. It's going to cost some physical needs. I mean, look, he's pouring his wine that he had and oil. Now, about this time, some of you are more worried about the fact that he had wine than the fact that he's using it to help somebody, right? I know how that goes, you know. Some of you just said, you mean I can have wine? No, that's not a whole other sermon. That's not, you know. Actually, though, you know what? We would always be more comfortable if Jesus had turned wine into water than water into wine. Think about it. He takes what he has and he ministers to this guy. He uses his physical stuff that you and I gather up in our houses. He uses the means that he has and he uses his money and he, uses his, and he takes his time out of his day and he, and he binds this guy's wounds and he serves him. And Jesus said, that's, that's who we need to be like. That Samaritan. That good Samaritan. He extended his hand. Now, in order to do that, sometimes we've got to learn to overcome the things, things that hinder us from being this kind of servant. Busyness. You know, we, we, I mean, we get so busy in our life. Uh, 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 even doing good stuff. I've got written in no Bible of mine a statement that Ray Melton gave me one time. He said, not everything that's good to do is good for you to do. Think about that. We get so busy even, uh, uh, even satisfying ourselves, even religiously, even going to church, Bible study, all these things. Before long, I'll be so busy, I won't, I won't allow myself to be interrupted to serve someone. I got to tell you, I was sitting there working on this sermon here this week, and I, it's in the. Uh, uh, I came up here real early one morning. I'm getting kind of through it and stay, and uh, I'm right at this point, you know, and I get a text from someone. Uh, Mike, could you give me a ride to go pick up my pickup at such and such place? And a part of me is like, oh, can't, I'm working on my sermon. You know, till you look at your sermon, you're like, you know what? I'll be glad to give you a ride, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm repenting before I finish my sermon. I'm not even got to the invitation part, right? We're all like that. It's easy to get caught up, and we don't want to be interrupted. We don't want to put up to help serve someone else. 
Sometimes our busyness is our worst enemy. Sometimes it's our fear. I don't know what to say. I'm afraid I'll mess it up. I'm not sure how to help a person. You know what? You got to have some faith that God's going to, when you submit to Him and do what He wants, He'll give you what you need. He really will. Some of it's our own pride. Well, I'll tell you what, I ain't helping that person. I'll tell you, how do I know they're not just trying to cheat me anyway? And we kind of go that, you know. No. Well, maybe it's just my own selfishness. I just don't want to give up what I'm holding on to, even though somebody else needs it worse than me. Overcoming our hindrances. It's a chore. But now look, at the, these guys, this, these religious people, the priest and the Levi, did you notice something about it? It wasn't just that they didn't stop and help the guy. They avoided helping the guy when the opportunity was there. It's one thing to not know of an opportunity, and I, I wish I could have helped, didn't know about it. It's something else. When you walk up on the situation, and you, look what they did, crossed over the road to avoid helping the guy. Now think about that. They went out of our way. I mean, they went out of their way not to help. I'm going to cross over so I don't have to walk by that guy and see him and do anything for him. And yet they're the religious people. So all of a sudden, boy, the challenge comes to serve. Now, let me, let me pull over to the side and stop a minute here and talk about something. Because as we're talking about serving, and that's what we're to be like Jesus... What about those that are served? We take up a first Sunday, first Sunday contribution and we use it to serve and to help our faithful members, our faithful members who have immediate needs that somehow or another they got in a bind and they can't get, and we do that. And by the way, what a great, great tradition. And following the principles, of God. matter of fact, that's what the contributions in Acts were about, taking care of the poor people, uh, saints in Jerusalem anyway. So we're, 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 we're reenacting that. We're doing that. That's a great thing we're doing. But you know what? Sometimes some of us come into the kingdom and we, we or the church and we say, look, we're not here to serve. We're here for you to serve me. What's this church got for me? How can you serve me? And so people will come up and, and look, I, we get calls every day. And I'm not talking about from just members here. I'm talking about from all over. You know, can you, uh, uh, my, can you pay my light bill? Can you pay my water bill? Uh, can, you do, can the church do this? Can you, actually, I had a lady call from Nashville, Tennessee, and ask us, could we pay off, her, pay off her mortgage? Not just pay her rent, pay off her mortgage. Because, you know, we're a big church, so they think we're, they're a pretty good-sized pretty good church, so they think we have money. And then we've got the duck guys here, so we must really have money, right? And I, and, and I, I tell them, look, I don't have all those guys' money. Not yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> I, I don't have it all. Right? But, but what, is this, what is this attitude we've created even among our own members that somehow or another, once you hear there's a first century contribution, I'm going to walk up and you're going to take care of all my physical needs. Look, that's not right, bro. You're in the kingdom to serve, not be served. And we don't want to miss any legitimate need. We really don't. 
But I'm telling you, some of you living in your home with your mama, your daddy, or your grandma, and your grandpa, and you're 20-something years old, and you don't have a job, and you won't get up and go to work, I'm not going to pay your bill. I'm not going to buy your phone. I'm not going to give your cigarettes. It's not going to happen. Look, there is a verse that says if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat, and we ought to practice that verse too. Because I'm telling you, we live in a world that enables people to stay in their laziness and bad ethics of not work. And we just allow them to be there. And I'm telling you, look here, brothers. Since you listen close. You right here in our own church family, you get off the payroll of your mama and your grandma. You get off of it. I'm telling you, I've been called every name in the book by our own members because I wouldn't pay some cable bill or something. I'm telling you, I, 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 I'm, I'm telling you, our staff, they're worn out. Louie and Lori and Beverly can tell you the phone rings off the wall every day. Somebody wanting something paid for out of our society. Sometimes it's even our own folks that we hadn't matured enough yet to realize they ought to be calling saying, how can I serve? Not calling to say, why didn't you give me this? You gave somebody else something. Shame on us. Shame on us. And if that sounds too hard, you know what? Maybe it is too hard. I don't know. I just know we cannot continue to allow our own folks to go down a road of entitlement. It kills us as a nation, it kills us as a state, and it'll kill us as a church. Okay, I got off all on that. <laughs> Let's get back to this. Life on mission is being Jesus to people and it's seeing Jesus in people. Remember in Matthew 25, it said when the king comes, there's going to be some set off to my right and to my left and the king, he's going to say to these people, look, come on in to the kingdom, enjoy it here because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. Uh, when I was in prison, you visited me. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I was sick, you took care of me. And the brother said, hey, when, geez, we never did that to you. He said, oh, yeah. Yeah, whenever you did that to any one of these, the least of these, you did it to me. So not only are we being Jesus when we serve, but we see Jesus in people when we serve them. Because they're created in the image of God, and so we serve and we help, and we want to move them to a right and close relationship to God. So we are Jesus to them, but we see Jesus in them. And we can imagine what God can do with their life in raising them up. We always have those, as, as Bill even mentioned to us, always the poor that will be among us. Always folks to help and serve. But life on mission has a purpose in serving. No, we won't, we won't solve world hunger won't do it but in our journey we're not going to step across the road to avoid feeding a person either 
Jesus didn't heal every sick person while he was here on earth. But on his journey, which was headed to a cross, by the way, as he ran into those opportunities and saw them was moved, then he healed and he took care of and always inviting people to the kingdom. And that's the way we have to be on our journey. We're connecting with people, we're serving people, and we're trying to get them in the, into, the, into the kingdom of God. You know, one of those things about true religion, James says, is that you take care of the orphans and widows and keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Be helpful, be holy. That's what he says. Basically, kingdom people take care of people who cannot take care of themselves. That's a part of who we are. One of those things is, uh, as I'm always moved by the situation of children in the world. 143 million orphans in the world. 21,000 children under five die every day from easily prevented disease, malnutrition, or just lack of provision. In serving the least of these, we better make sure we don't neglect children. I know it's expensive and hard to adopt and be fostered. And we've had people, we've got a lot of our family that have done that. And I praise God for you. I thank you because some of you have so much great hearts toward raising kids and children in dire situations. And, and I look out at what some of our folks have done in going to the Dominican and, and ministering to some of those kids in the orphanage there and taking care of them and developing a relationship. With, well, your, your heart is moved, right? Now you've extended your hand and you want to help them. That's great. And our church has done good at that. I'm so proud of you on that. But look, you and I don't have to go halfway around the world to minister to children. I'm not asking you to adopt an orphan today. I'm not asking you to travel halfway around the world and serve in an orphanage today. Most, most believers become believers as a result of what they've been told as children. Statistically, most people in church were taught as children, and that's where they became believers. Look, I'm not asking you to adopt one. I'm not asking you to, 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 to necessarily sponsor somebody over there and make sure someone... I'm, how about just teaching children that are upstairs in these rooms here? What about just not neglecting the ones that are already under our roof? What about making sure they're grounded, uh, grounded in, the, in the gospel and in God's word? And let's, and let's be volunteering. We should not have to beg for people to teach our children. It's a shame. We shouldn't do that. I said, boy, Mike, you making me feel guilty? Well, yeah, I am. And if you need to feel guilty, you know what? Just feel guilty. And then make a move and get back on mission. Life on mission, we serve with a purpose. And we don't have to go thousands of miles around the world to do it. Just even right here and amongst our own church family, we started. Serving. So the question is going to come down. Is your life on mission? Is it really where I need to be?
Am I connecting with people, serving people, getting the good news out there? Is my life on mission? Look, it all starts with the gospel. It all starts with that beautiful story that God loved me so much that he sent his son to die for me that I could be adopted into his family. That my sins can be paid for by the blood of his son. And that his body came out of that ground to give me hope of a resurrection. That I can live for him. And I can trust him and he'll help me. He lives his Holy Spirit within me so I can learn to live right and I can follow his steps and I anticipate him coming again and, 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 and then one day look right now between the cross and the crown we're just going to live and try to be like Jesus best we can and give him the glory when great things happen and praise him for using us and all of our mess ups and our mistakes because that's what grace is about God rescues us and then uses us as servants to meet the needs of other people. Life on mission. Is your life on mission? Well, if you've never become a part of God's family, that's the first thing. Walk down this aisle. Confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. Repent of those sins. I'm not going to live like that anymore. Be baptized into Christ and start all over. It's a great day for that. It's a great day for that. But if you've already made that commitment, somehow or another you got off track with fear, busyness, or whatever it is that got you where you're not really serving the way you really know you need to be served, then that's a, it's a good time for repentance and just say, God, I want to be used. I want to serve however you want to use me. That's a, good, that's a good response too. Just get sin behind us, out of the way. Quit focusing on ourselves so much every day. Think about somebody else and serve them. It's a good day to start serving. Amen? It's a good day. If you have a need, would you come right now while together we stand and sing?